Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right. Well, good morning. So much going on. Hopefully you got a note sheet. You'll need it for the message, but also just to write down everything that's happening. Pastor Lewis also didn't mention we've got a gift for every family that you can pick up here the week of Christmas. You'll want that for the January 1st uh, message at home. It's going to be a great time. You're going to receive communion as a family, and uh, it's just going to be a special time. So uh, make sure you get those. Well, this is week number two of our Joy series here at Christmas. It feels like a long time ago. A lot's happened since last Sunday. I had a lot of people sending me messages throughout the week. Pastor, I know what my this is. I wrote that down. I know what God has promised, what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, if you missed last week, I hope you take some time, watch it online. I think the archive is somewhere. Pastor David could tell you how to do that or whatever that is. Uh, And uh, we don't want you to miss out on what God is doing. Uh, This service will be the seventh time that I've spoken in the last eight days. And so uh, five different message preps. It was a lot of that this week, a few meetings and a lot of messages. And uh, but God has been showing up in a real way in each of those times. And uh, it's a joy to open God's word with you again here today. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, January. As I said, we're going to have uh, those special times of prayer and fasting, and we look forward to that. Also, um, many people were still uh, asking, how can they sign up to be part of the construction? In case you've missed the last few weeks, uh, we've started demolition in NL1, this corner lobby, right after Christmas, probably on Tuesday the 27th. We're going to uh, demo the entire area, rip all the walls out, and uh, begin construction in the new year for the new coffee bar area, the missions wall, the uh, three classrooms, a lot happening over there. So if you know what you're doing, we don't need anybody else that knows what I'm doing. I'm just saying, like, if you know what you're doing, you know, you know how to tear stuff down, you know how to build stuff back. Uh, that's what we, you know, better. That's what we need. We need your help. Uh, that was funny. Some of you guys missed that. You watch that in slow speed later, and that was good. But anyway, you can help us with that. So sign up. You can talk to Pastor Josiah, Pastor Dan, or anybody else. We want to get you on that list for how you can be part of that. Uh, you could give by just marking a gift heart for the house. You don't have to sign up. You can just mark that on your gift, and that to be awesome. Uh, Kingdom Builders, many people still turning in, hey, this is what we believe God's going to help us do next year. We've already had eight people sign up for the trip to Cuba coming up in March, so there's still a little bit of time for you to sign up. Uh, That's available. Of course, we've got other trips coming later online to uh, China, Kazakhstan later in the year, and then uh, beginning of the following year to Israel, so a lot going on. Sign up. Make sure you are getting that info. Also this week, it's a joy to announce that uh, in three weeks, the new year begins and we will have our new youth pastors uh, with us. And so Pastor Josh and Kim Trifonoff, uh, they're filled with joy. Uh, there you go. We'll be with us starting uh, in the new year. So that's going to be great. Uh, he's Lebanese, so that's going to help us out at Taste of Nations, and uh, it's a joy. His wife uh, works with Clifton, or for Clifton, with Clifton, whatever, and uh, Ross, one of our board members, and so uh, we're excited. Previously, they've worked with Pastor Josiah here in Lakeville, another church, but then most recently, they've been the youth pastors at River Valley Church uh, in Shakopee, and so we're excited that the Lord has moved on their heart to join our team here in the Family Life Department, and uh, we're excited to get uh, the parent, get them here, right, Parents will get an email tomorrow with that timeline, and we'll have a video from them on the 21st for our students' party. But as we begin the new year, they'll be with us as uh, we trust God to take us to uh, new areas together. Amen? All right. Well, I try to do my best. I don't always do it, but I try to do my best to avoid using this pulpit for personal matters. But I would ask for just a little bit of grace for one more minute here this morning, because today is my wife's 40th birthday. Yep. And... uh, so uh, we'll just want to honor here on this momentous occasion in the Assemblies of God. They say that you're either under 40 or you're not. And so now she is joining me in the 40 and under bracket. And so we're looking forward uh, to that. But uh, holidays, special occasions, anniversaries are a big deal to her. But 
Uh, being married to me, pastoring a growing church so often, we have different activities, responsibilities on those occasions. Today is uh, no exception. So although we're not really celebrating her birthday, I just wanted to take a minute to honor her. And I know she hates it, but I'm from the South. And so we just today want to say thank you to our first lady for being a great leader here. And so we love you, babe. Appreciate you. And that SUV I bought you two months ago, let's call that your birthday present. Amen. Uh, I also got her a, a new heating pad for her back because I said, we're old now. Praise the Lord. She was like, it's a great gift though. She's been using it all week. Amen. All right. Luke chapter one. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning for the reading of God's word? Last week, we were in Luke chapter one. Today, we are in Luke chapter one. Next week, we will be in Luke chapter one. Christmas Eve, we will be in Luke chapter two. It's real close to chapter one, but it's the next one. And so we just uh, are glad that you're here today. Here's what the Bible says. Just a lot of verses again today. Luke chapter 21. chapter one, verse 26 to 45. And uh, then I want to read a number of verses from the Psalms as well today. I just was uh, studying him. And and, uh, anyway, here we go. Luke chapter one, verses uh, 26. I'm going to read through 33 to begin, and then we'll get right into it for the sake of time. And I'll read the other verses with each point. The Bible reads like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And I love this part. It says his kingdom will never end. We have a king whose kingdom will never end. It's not up for vote. It's not up for debate. It's not up for opinion. His kingdom will never end. His name is Jesus. Amen. I want to talk this morning for um, a bunch of minutes about joy and peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation, the gift of your son, Jesus. We ask now, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Let us all become more like Jesus, we pray. And it's in that name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. I love those words that the angel said that day. He said, do not be afraid. Mary had many reasons to be afraid. She had many reasons to lose her peace, not unlike many of us here today. Have you noticed over these last number of years, three specifically, that as fear has increased, peace has decreased? We notice that to be true. Anytime we have less peace, we're, we're going to have more fear. And whenever we have more fear, we're going to have less Peace. So here we are in a world, in a society, in a day when we see fear on the rise. So how can we as believers, how can we, the people of God, have peace? Well, I'm glad you asked. I got four ways from Luke chapter one that I think will help us have joy in peace today. I want to share these with you and then we're going to pray one more time and I'm going to make a faith declaration over your life and uh, we're going to leave with more peace than when we came in. Amen. All right. Number one, hopefully you got a note sheet or the app or however you take notes. It's great. Number one, be present in his presence. Now this is more than uh, wrapping paper and a red bow, right? It's, it's being present. Pastor Vicente said that does not translate into Spanish. That's okay. He can say it however he wants to in his service right now. Be present. My uncle Randall, my dad's older brother, had always told me, wherever you are, be there. That's more than being present physically. It's being present mentally and emotionally. I believe being present spiritually. We're in a time where we're distracted now more than ever. We're, we're somewhere, but we're not really there. When we're on vacation, we're thinking about being at home. When we're at home, we're thinking about being at work. Okay, Jim's like, huh? I'm retired. I didn't think about that at all. Okay, anyway, the rest of us. Okay, you know, so 
wherever you are, be there. This is most important spiritually. You're like, well, pastor, I'm, I'm here. I'm present and accounted for. I'm, you're here, but are you here? But it's not just at church. It's whenever we meet with God. Are we focused on him? Or are we still consumed with the cares and concerns of this world? This is what he said, greetings. Verse 28, the angel said, greetings you who are highly favored. What was his explanation of this? The Lord is with you. I just want to remind us today in this season where we seem to so often not have peace because our schedules are, are out of control and all these kind of things. We are guaranteed peace when the Lord is with us. I love the lyrics of, of a worship song that says, let us become more aware of your presence. You know, we don't need more of his presence. We need to be more aware that he's always with us. You know, he's with us whether we recognize it or not. He's with us whether we're at church or not. He's with us in all of these times. He's with us whether we're, we're serving him and doing the right thing or whether we're cutting a corner and we're making a sinful choice. He's with us. His, his presence is with us. We just need to become more aware that he's here, he's listening, he's wanting to speak to us. Mary had a lot going on in her life and then on this day, her schedule was thrown into complete chaos. I don't believe that she had a calendar appointment, a scheduling request from the angel that said at 3.30, I'm gonna show up and tell you, you're gonna be the mom of Jesus. You're gonna be the mother of the savior of the world. So I don't care how planned out you are. When this happens, you can't help but be a bit scattered mentally. He was like, don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Even when we don't realize it, the Lord is with us. I want to give you some reminders, some encouragement from the Psalms here today. As I said, there's at least half a dozen verses from the Psalms that I want to read at different times today, but I think they help us so much. Psalm 34 and 18, if you're wondering, he doesn't seem close. Well, the Bible says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord's not just close to the people that had a great year. <laughs> The Lord's close to people that had the worst year of their life. He's close to the brokenhearted. And what does he do? He saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I, for one, am thankful. And I believe many in the room today are thankful as well right now, maybe at previous times in their life. But we all ought to be thankful for a time that's coming that he is close to us when we've gone through it. He's close to us when we've been hurt, when people have turned their back on us, when we've done, been done wrong. He is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I like to say he does some of his best work when we've done some of our worst. He's close to the brokenhearted. But you know, he's not just close to the brokenhearted. Some of you are like, well, I had a great week. Can he be close to me? I'm glad you asked. Psalm 145 and verse 18. The Bible says that he's near to all who call on him. You don't have to just be in trouble to call upon the Lord. Have you noticed that phenomenon? People that don't even serve God will call upon his name when they're in trouble. <laughs> When they see, uh, you know, uh, a policeman pull them over for speeding, all of a sudden they say, oh God, give me grace. You know, they didn't give a rip out God five minutes ago, but all of a sudden, right? They, I was preaching in North Central on Thursday and this, some students came, it's finals week. And I was like, these are the most intelligent students at the college because they don't need to study for finals. They're at chapel. Everybody else is cramming for that exam. Either that or they were some of the most spiritual. I was going to say the dumbest, but I would say the most spiritual because they're like, I got no clue about the exam, I might as well hope for a miracle. I'm going to go to chapel. I don't know who they were, but you know what I'm saying? Like when you need help, people call upon God, but you don't just have to be in need of a miracle to be close to God. You could just call upon his name. The Bible says, if you'll call upon him in truth, he'll be close to you. He'll be near. When you feel all alone, he'll, he'll be near. When you call upon his name, he will be near. I love this. The, what did the apostle Paul say to the church in Philippi? Philippians chapter four, verses five to seven. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. I think that's a good reminder for people this season who, you know, they're 
the Lord is near. I think if we realized how near he is to us, it would enable us to be more gentle to those around us. He really is near, friends. That's Emmanuel. God is now with us. He's not far off. He's not up there, out there, just some cosmic being. He is God with us. He is near. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything. That's the greatest reason that you don't have to be anxious is because the Lord is near. My son, our son, Lincoln, he's nine. He, he doesn't really like dark rooms or walking into our room if the bathroom light's not on. And what does he do? He says, dad, will you walk with me? It doesn't really change what's in the room or not. I'm like, dude, if somebody's in there, we're gonna have to call your mom for help anyway. <laughs> I'll trip you and run out. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kinda. <laughs> Come on, but he's like, dad, if you're with me, I'll be okay. You know, our heavenly father's not going to trip us and run out. Come on, it doesn't matter who's there. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. The Lord is near. So because he's near to us, we have no reason to be anxious. We don't need to be afraid. Now we ought to be aware. We ought to be concerned. I'm gonna talk about that in January. We're gonna talk about spirit and power of Elijah and some things that I'm seeing in our land. But we don't need to be afraid because the Lord is near Therefore, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what happens when we recognize that he's near? What happens when we pray? It says the peace of God. We're talking about joy and peace. It transcends all understanding. If I've had the privilege of praying with you, you've probably heard me say this. It's peace that doesn't even make sense. That's the kind of peace we need today because there's so much of this world. There's so much in our lives that doesn't make sense, but we can have peace today. And that peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the spiritual discipline here of being present in his presence is meditation. Now, sometimes uh, meditation's gotten, uh, oh, we don't want to do that, you know, but Eastern meditation is all about emptying your mind, finding, you know, your inner self, all that kind of stuff. But, but biblical meditation, the psalmist tells us to do it, right? What does he say? Bless, Psalm 1 verse 2, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Therefore, if the Bible tells us to do it, meditation can't be bad. Now, you might be doing it wrong, but meditation biblically is not about emptying your mind, but it's about filling your mind with the things of God. That we take time to remember his promises. We take time to remember his character, to think about who he is and what he said and what he's going to do. We want to fill our being. What should we do when we feel our peace slipping away? Might I suggest you take a moment to pause and just be present in his presence. Don't wait till the next Sunday. Don't wait till the next prayer gathering. Just take a moment. And I'm telling you, friends, I found it to be true in my life. And almost many, or almost everybody around you may have experienced it as well at one time or another. If you'll just be present in his presence, you'll know that the Lord is near. Can I get a good amen? Number two, if you want to have joy and peace, just be found with his favor. Be found with his favor. By the way, I want to mention um, that I believe God wants to favor everybody. Sometimes, you know, we've heard favor discussed and distorted within Christian circles. And, you know, favor is not because God wants to do something for me that he doesn't want to do for you. Favor is evidenced by the price Jesus paid for us all. And so what I want to say up front is that God wants, God desires to favor everyone. But let me show you how we are found with his favor. Cause I think there's some things that we can do that might block his favor in our lives. In other words, when we see the hand of God upon people's lives, it's not cause he likes them more than the other person but it might be that we 
have done something to remove his hand of favor on our lives. It says Mary was greatly troubled, didn't know what was going on. The angel said, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive, give birth to a son. He'll be great. The Lord will give him the throne. His kingdom will never end. And verse 34 gives us this key to being found with his favor. I don't think it's necessarily always what we need to do. That's one of... Uh, the enemy's lies that you have to do, you have to earn, you have to be good enough to get his favor, to become worthy of his favor. Newsflash, we can't do enough good things. We'll never be worthy on our own. He just wants to give us his grace, his unmerited favor. He wants it for us all, but sometimes we can block that favor. And so what do we read in verse 34? This is what Pastor Dan talks about every year. Maybe other pastors have said it before, but verse 34 says, how can this be, Mary asked the angel, because I am a virgin. She's like, how can I be the mother of Jesus? Pastor Dan likes to say, it's not necessarily what we have to do to receive God's favor. It's what Mary didn't do to disqualify herself from God's favor. Now, to be clear this morning, I'm not suggesting that being a lifelong virgin is a prerequisite to God's favor in your life today. Can I get a good amen? I mean, you know, hey, I got a little bit more response in this service than in the nine. Everybody in the nine was like, I cannot believe he just made that joke. I'm like, yeah, I'm just saying, I'd be disqualified. Jeff, you'd be disqualified. Come on. There's a lot of us that would be disqualified from God moving. I'm not going to go around the whole room. Okay, everybody. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Like he got four kids. I got three. We're disqualified from the Lord. You know, that, that, that's, that's how it works. Okay. You know, that's a good spot. I'm glad to be, dis- no, that's not. It was a prerequisite for this miracle. Why? Because there was prophecies that the Messiah would be born to a virgin. So it was in this instance that Mary didn't disqualify herself from this one act of God, but people throughout scripture were used by God and they didn't share the same uh, reality. And so I don't want to sit here and say, in fact, let me just take it a step further, that I don't believe that what you did before meeting God disqualifies you from what he'll do with the rest of your life. Having said that, let me make it even more explicit. I think it's wrong for us to sit here and make our own list of rules and regulations for other people of our opinion of when God can use them or cannot use them. Let me, let me, you won't like this part, but it's on all of us to look at our own lives and ask the Holy Spirit if there's anywhere that I am blocking the favor of God in my own life. This isn't about asking if my spouse is blocking favor in her life, if my kids or you. It's God, will you show me any area of my life? Because I believe you want to favor every bit of my being. I believe you want to favor every bit of your people. And so God, would you show me? We love to say, God, show him. God, show her. In fact, God, if you're unsure, I can help you out. I know the areas that they are blocking your favor. In fact, I've told them. No, that's, that's not necessarily what I think this focus is. I believe instead of thinking about a list of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, because those uh, personal convictions seems to be shifting and most people tend to draw the line of purity and holiness on whatever side they fall on. Have you noticed that, right? Like, you know, Whatever's too much is what somebody else has and not what I have. It's just amazing how people, so, so let's not worry about them. Let's just say, God, in my life, is there an area that I'm blocking your favor? Is there a way as a husband that I'm blocking your favor in my marriage? Is there a way in my family that I'm blocking your favor as a father? Right? Is there, is in my life, God, show me. Because we, we really can't help it if other people are going to block the favor of God in their own life. But we can and should be stewards of our own life and say, God, would, if you show me, give me the courage to change. Because I believe God wants to favor every area, every aspect of our lives. But the question is, will we allow him to do it? This is what the psalmist said it this way. Psalm 90 and verse 17. May the favor of the Lord rest on us. I believe that to be true. I believe that's what he wants to do. 
He's not up there playing eeny, meeny, miny, mo for who he wants to favor. I'm telling you, friends, he wants his favor to rest upon each one of us. And what do we see? Establish the work of our hands for us. I just want to say that there is great peace when you lay your head down at night with confidence that you aren't blocking the favor of God in your life. If you want to know how do you have uh, great peace, great joy and peace, you be found with his favor when you're not trying to conceal that hidden sin any longer. It's talking uh, with somebody, another pastor, <laughs> not in this state this week, about another pastor with some hidden sin going on. And I'm telling you, even when consequences are warranted because of our actions, you'll have peace when you're finally found out. There's no way to live your life looking over your shoulder, wondering if this is the day you'll be caught. There is no earthly consequence worth surrendering your soul for the rest of eternity. It's not just true for pastors. It's, it's for each and every one of us. There's no way to live your life wondering. And man, if you're here, man, universal, sir, ma'am, if you're here, there's hidden sin in your life, don't leave today without changing. Don't leave today without repenting. None of us are promised tomorrow, but even if we were, why not be free today? To live in the freedom that God has intended. Be found with his favor on your life today because there's great joy and peace. Not when you're perfect, but when you remain in him, which means his hand of favor continues to rest upon you every day of your lives. Number three, if we're gonna have joy and peace, we need to be committed to his call. Committed to his call. The Bible reads like this, verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. <laughs> Remember last week, uh, we found out that Zechariah was old and his wife was just well advanced in years. But because she wasn't here, I guess the angel was feeling frisky. I don't know. He was like, she's old. Okay, but <laughs> says so she's going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Remember, if heaven starts it, hell can't stop it. It doesn't matter that earth said she's old. It doesn't matter what biology or science or anything else. If God made a promise, he's going to bring it to pass. He's not limited by time and space. He's not limited by the rules here on earth. He created earth. He spoke it into existence. He's God all by himself. And if he said it's going to happen, it will come to pass. Why? Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. Come on, you gotta settle that in your spirit, friends. It's true whether you believe it or not, but it'll change the level of peace you have in your life. It'll change the level of hope you have in your life if you just settle it in your heart. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Pastor Vicente this week shared with us in his Spanish Bible, his notes, it, it's, it said, it translated that Mary said, I believe what you said will actually happen. Yeah. I love that. I believe what you said will actually happen. You know, I've noticed that, that um, delay doesn't necessarily begin by making us question if God said it, but we begin to question if it'll actually happen. There, there's something that, you know, the enemy, he, he may not be that smart, but he's also not that dumb. And so he's not necessarily gonna get a strong believer to give up on God, but they're gonna, he's gonna tempt us to say, you know, is that really, is it really gonna happen for you? It's like, we know he can, but we're not sure that he will. Yeah. And Mary said, I believe what you said will actually happen. Look, friends, I, I, I've been in leadership long enough in the people business. I've talked with people. I do my best to take people at their word, but I've worked with people long enough to know. People can say stuff one day and do stuff the next. Apparently four of you have worked with people as well. <laughs> You've met them, <laughs> right? And I don't even think it's because people were lying in that moment. 
We're just humans. We say what we think needs to be said. We might even mean it. We like every desire in our heart is to do this, but the truth is we're not God. (laughs) But when God says it, there is no other option. It will come to pass, but it's interesting how many of us fall a little short of what Mary felt in that moment and we're, we heard it, but we're just not sure. I think if we want to have peace, we can just be committed to his call. Not wishy-washy, not, oh, maybe, or I'm in this week and then it got tough and now I'm out. No, James chapter one and verse eight talked about those kind of people who are wishy-washy. It says those people are double-minded. They are unstable in all they do. Ever met somebody like that? Now, if you're married to them, don't look at them right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever been like that? It's so easy for us to think about other people and situations. Be committed. I think commitment in our nation has been exchanged for convenience. Right, we, we see this in the church too. This is not just like a government campaign complaint. This is not, um, you know, a society deal. This, this is true with humans, with Americans. This is true in the church as well. We've exchanged commitment for convenience. Our instant gratification culture, our swipe left, swipe right, start a new video. The other day I was watching... Uh, fishing with my son on YouTube because Mr. Kurt took him fishing and now my son thinks every day should be for fishing and I'm like, I don't go fishing. We just buy food, you know, but (laughs) like the store sell it. You don't have to do anything. You just give them money and then anyway, but Mr. Kurt took him fishing. He's like, dad, let's go fishing. I'm like, no, you can watch fishing and The other day, he watched a YouTube video for 12 seconds and said, Dad, this video's a bust. I'm like, you didn't pay for it. It's on my television. You're in my house. I put it on. You don't have a YouTube login because you're nine and I'm the adult, right? Like, he wanted a different video because they didn't catch enough fish in 12 seconds. But all of us, have at times wondered, I don't know if I'm getting what I need out of this relationship anymore. It's not as convenient for me now. We can't help but let it bleed into the areas of our life. Oh, I I don't, I'm not sure if my boss likes me. I don't, whatever those areas, let me just mention, like as a society, as a people here in America, marriage is no longer held sacred. There are even some religious leaders, I don't know if I can use the word pastor, but that suggest introducing pornography to your marriage to spice it up a bit. I was going to get some spice, that's for sure, but not in the way that they're intending. Marriage not held sacred. Recently, we've had some politicians and some of their constituents apparently aiming to redefine even what marriage is. Now people come and go based upon feelings and not facts. You might say, oh, that person made me feel some type of way. In fact, what they said or didn't say was just how they felt. Many have reduced their lives down to animalistic urges and they simply chase their feelings from here to there. We've traded commitment for convenience. One of the things that I loved hearing from a number of people in this church when we came here seven and a half years ago after a really tough season that this church had been through. I was like, why did you stay here? Right? Those of you, a couple hundred that were here, you know, when we came, I probably asked you that question because I was like, there's other places. You know, you live in the South Metro, you got a car. You could, they're like, well, God called us here. I was like, oh, I can work with people like that. It's not about convenience, it's about commitment. You know, it turns out we were a good fit because we were pastoring a great church in North Carolina with my family and 
all that, and we came, but we didn't really come for convenience. We came because of commitment, because God had called us. So funny, on Thursday, President Hagen had said, you know, Pastor Derek, I can't believe we had you come on finals week. There's a lot of kids studying, you know, and we wish chapel was bigger for you. I said, oh, I don't really care who comes or doesn't come. I'll preach what God put on my heart to preach. And I said, if I cared about how many people were in the room, I wouldn't have gone to the celebration in Minnesota. I stayed at our church that ran 4,000. I wouldn't have gone to a church running 300. <laughs> I mean, I said it jokingly, but it's a fact. When, when you're called, when you're committed, it doesn't matter who's with you or not. You know, let me just say this. If you're committed to your marriage, it doesn't matter if your spouse is or isn't. Now, I'm not saying it's not gonna be heartache. I'm not gonna say, I'm not saying it's gonna be, what I'm saying is you can only control yourself. You can only say this is who I am and what I'm gonna do and what I'm gonna stand for. It turns out it was good that we didn't come here out of convenience. And I'm not talking about the winter. It, it was good that we were committed to the call of God on our life because things got a little bit more challenging. But it didn't really matter because we didn't come for an easy assignment. We came because God called us. And because most of the people voted yes for us to, but I'm just saying it's those two things, right? Like it was, but it's God's call. So I just, I, I want to speak encouragement. I want to speak endurance to the people of God this morning that even if other people have left you, even if other people are not doing what you think they should be doing, you remain committed to God's call on your life. Don't let other people quitting. Don't let other people turning around. Don't let other people giving up. Don't let other people doing the wrong thing deter you from doing what God has called you to do. Be committed to his call. Amen. Being committed is all about making a choice. If you want to have more peace in your life, just make a choice. That it doesn't matter if it's easy or not. You're just going to do it. One of the great things about making a choice in my life is I don't waste emotion on things that I don't have a choice about. I hope the Vikings win today. Sorry to our friends from Detroit. You live in Minnesota now, welcome. But I'm not gonna, or you played for them, whatever. Okay, don't hurt me, okay. I'm not gonna waste emotion on something that I don't have a choice about. If people go with you or they don't, don't, don't forfeit your joy to them because you can't control what they do or what they say. Just be committed to what God has called you to do and what he's called you to say. Because I've got a revelation for you, friends. We, we are going to continue to see people not do what they're supposed to do. We are gonna continue to see people essentially take their hand off the plow, the Bible says, and turn around and give up. So if you haven't felt like giving up, your chance is coming, but don't get discouraged. Keep your peace by being committed to his call. Fourth and finally, be blessed through believing. I think this is really the greatest part for us here today. Be blessed through believing. The Bible says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained. See, she was Pentecostal. Right before it, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, church jokes, that's funny. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Don't tell me. There's not life in the womb. Verse 45, though. That's, that's a different message. I preached that last year. It's okay. Verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You know, for a bunch of years, maybe decades now, here in our nation, probably in other places around the world, but in the more affluent 
places of our world, it seems as though we are most often prone to thinking of blessings strictly in the terms of money, finances. Uh, I'm not saying exclusively, but like initially, we at least think, you know, somebody says, I got blessed this week. Most of us will think, oh, they received a gift. They received an increase. They received a promotion. They got something. But the truth is for all of us who believe in Jesus, we ought to be able to say every day, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. If I got laid off, I'm, I'm blessed. Because there's a blessing of just believing. Now, I'm not saying that an increase, a gift, a paycheck, those aren't blessings. Clearly, I believe they are blessings, right? Like it's, even in this Christmas season, you got a list of people you're trying to figure out. Are you going to get them a gift or not? Are you going to buy? If we took a poll, if I had a stack of cash up here and I was like, who wants it? Even the Norwegian Lutherans would be like, pastor, I would take some. Like in worship, they got their hands up to, you know, their waist level. But even then, they get all the way to the shoulder. They're like, Pastor, if it's not too much to ask, I would take some. All right, so like, if we have the option, you know, I, I don't know if anybody like in a job interview, like, we're going to pay you to do this. Would you like to make this or that? Oh, I'll take whatever's less. I've never heard of that. You know, now most of the time more pay means more work, but I'm just saying like, like, so we're not saying having money to buy Christmas gifts, to provide for your family. We're not going to deny that all of those things are a blessing. All I'm saying is that there are greater blessings. The greatest of which is simply the blessing of being able to believe in Jesus. You know, we talked about this, that 42% of the world, over 3 billion people have never been given the blessing of even hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, when we think in terms of that, it helps put things in a little bit bigger perspective, doesn't it, than a blessing of we found an item on sale or we found the perfect Christmas gift. It all pales in comparison to the blessing of just believing. If you want to know how you can have increased peace, count your blessings of simply believing that you were born at a time where the Bible was available in your language, that you were born in a land or moved to one where you were able to have someone witness to you or found a church, whatever. Just count the blessing of believing. And all of us who've gone through a tough time, a loved one who's run off, sickness, we recognize that there are plenty of blessings that are greater than money. Anyone who lost a loved one this year and is walking into this Christmas season without a mom or dad, a spouse, a child, every one of them would readily tell you, I'm sure, for, for a little bit more money, we would gladly trade it to just have one more Christmas with mom or dad or spouse or sister, anybody who's struggling with sickness or disease or things in their family, all of us would quickly write a check. We would trade money for that peace any day. But all of us, regardless of struggle or bank account, can have peace because we believed. Because we do believe. And even this week, as I was speaking in many different areas and seeing commercials and advertisements and sale ads in the, the mailbox, I couldn't help but think, I'm so blessed because I was given the choice to believe, the opportunity to believe. And here's what I think and, and that I'm asking. I think as we all take time to think about the blessing of believing, we can't help but be moved to act with compassion for those that have not yet been given that chance to believe. You know, a lot of times my kids, team's gonna start setting up to lead us in the song. They're gonna come out, but don't pay attention to them till I'm done praying. Uh, our kids, you know, 13, almost 11, nine, Every year, our family does something probably similar to yours. They'll go through Target or whatever. They'll circle things. They'll make a Christmas list. And we got a lot of birthdays in this season. We got 
my son's birthday, my dad's birthday, my wife's birthday, my daughter's birthday, Jesus' birthday, my brother-in-law's birthday, my mom's birthday. Did I say that one? There's a lot of birthdays. Just in three weeks. November 25th to December, Jesus' birthday, 25th, December. One month, four weeks, I guess. Mine's in May, nobody cares. <laughs> and they put things on their list. And uh, yesterday, took my son to Costco. My wife was at a baby shower here at the church. And one of our daughters was playing with friends and whatever, I don't know. He was like, yeah, can we go to Costco? I was like, we'll go to Costco. Because where else can you buy a whole big pizza for $10? (laughs) So we were going to get a pizza. And then he said, well, dad, can we go to the toy section? I was like, what do you want to go to the toy section? You're not going to get anything. He's like, Dad, maybe I'll put it on my list. My kid doesn't understand. I'm like, your list is done, buddy. <laughs> you can write it down. He ain't going to get it. We're done. But he's like, well, if I put it on the list. I'm like, well, you're going to be disappointed this year. But anyway, that's a different story. I've got to teach him about what an appropriate list looks like. He's like, drone, iPad, phone, four-wheeler. I'm like, settle down, buddy. Pick one. You know, anyway, so. Because in our relationship, he's got that childlike faith that his dad could just get it for him. I'm like, well, you should give it to Poppy. He'll get it for you. But anyway. (laughs) But the truth is, his earthly father has limited resources. Just because Lincoln puts it on the list, it really has very little indicator of whether or not he's going to get it at Christmas. And I wonder, as we became adults and we recognized the realities, like Pastor Lewis was talking about, that, you know, if you save up your money, you buy a dollar at Target, the money's gone. We understand the economics better as adults than the kids do. And I couldn't help but just say, I want to pray for those this morning that you've allowed the realities of being an adult to diminish your belief that God can and will do what he said he's going to do. I don't mean it disrespectfully. I don't mean it like we're adults. We get it. But our resources are finite. But our gods are not. He can and will do whatever it is he said he's going to do. And I want to speak encouragement to people here today that you don't have to pick and choose. Now, it's really not about our list. Here's what I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to pray that God would grant to you everything that he has put on your list. You know, he's got a list for you. As we talked a little bit about last week, you can read about it in his word. He's got a list of hope and a future, it says. Healing and restoration, right? He's got got these things on his list. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. As I ask the Holy Spirit, how how should I close today? I want to pray for everyone and kind of make a faith declaration, speak it over your life and into your spirit. But it's not going to be because I said so. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter if I want you to get what God put on your list. I can want it all I want. But but I'm going to pray according to what the psalmist said in Psalm 138.8. You see it there on the bottom of your notes. Simple phrase, it's right out of the text. The Lord will fulfill his promises. Didn't say that the Lord might fulfill his promises. Doesn't say that the Lord could fulfill his promises. I want you to write it down as a faith declaration that the Lord will fulfill his promises. And here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 138 and verse eight. It said, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. So that's what I'm going to pray for you today. A reminder, an encouragement. I want you to leave confident that the Lord will fulfill his promises. Not because I said so, not because I want it to be so, 
but because the Lord has said so, and because his love endures forever. Amen? If you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning as you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to pray. In accordance with the will of God, and the team will lead us in a song that will ask the Holy Spirit to seal the work that he's done. But even before I pray, maybe some of you will, will recall what it is that you wrote down. The Lord will do this, has done this for me. Maybe if you think about a promise that he's given you, that you've been praying for, you've been waiting a long time, you've been believing. I want you to think of that promise right now. And in a moment as I pray, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to breathe life back into that promise in your soul. That it's the Lord's promise to you. Father, I'm asking right now for each and every one that's gathered here watching online, male or female, young or old, rich or poor, light or dark, everything in between. Father, I pray that you would fulfill your promises to them. Not necessarily the hopes or dreams they had or the desires that I would speak over their life, but each and everything that you've promised to them. We know according to your word that all of your promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And so today I speak over them like Elizabeth spoke over Mary. We consider it done, Lord. We believe that what you've spoken will actually happen. And we declare that the Lord will fulfill his promises. I'm praying for each one that's been waiting a long time. Some in the room I know have prayed for years, even decades. They've wondered, God, did they miss here? Is the time passed? Holy Spirit, bring encouragement to them here today. Highlight that peace in their life. As they felt anxious, they felt a bit fearful. What's gonna happen? Is it gonna work out? Is it gonna even come to pass? God, today I pray that they would know that you're at work and that you're moving on their behalf. Father, today in a world where fear is on the rise, I pray that we would sense your peace like never before because we know that you will, in fact, be faithful to your word. It's who you are. So God, we say, have your way in this place and in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.